0: Of Ezekiel records the activity of the prophet while in captivity in Babylon. The God-directed message is for both those in captivity in Babylon and for those that remained in Palestine. Both groups were still obstinate even after the horrible destruction and slaughter in Jerusalem and the exile of others. Exile was born 623 BC to a priestly father. One year later, In 622 BC, the revival under King Josiah and Jeremiah began. In 609, King Josiah was killed in battle, and four years later, the Babylonians were at Jerusalem, having soundly defeated the Egyptians. But in 605, there was no battle for Jerusalem, as the king agreed to pay tribute to Babylon. So there were relatively few young nobles and princes taken to Babylon for use in Nebuchadnezzar's empire. Ezekiel was 18 years old when Daniel and his three friends were taken in his first exile. It was not until eight years later in 597 BC that the second wave of young Israelites were taken and Ezekiel, now 24, was taken with his group. It is likely that Ezekiel was in trading under Jeremiah. He was highly educated and was from a priestly family, but unlike Jeremiah, he was married. As opposed to Jeremiah, who clearly demonstrated why he was called the weeping prophet, Ezekiel often appears passive or indifferent to the very hard words that God had him give to the Israelites. The writing of Ezekiel is highly organized and precisely dated. In the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, we have seen the continuing challenge by God to the Israelites to turn from their wicked ways and idol worship and return to Him or suffer the consequences. Ezekiel, under God's direction, presents this same message of judgment and consequences, but promises in a much different way than Isaiah and Jeremiah. The first unique feature is a systematic presentation of the contents. The first 24 chapters provide a truly terrifying indictment and condemnation of the nation. These judgments are interspersed with a few, a very few, glimmers of hope for the future. However, in chapters 33 through 48, that's the end, a consistently positive and bright picture of the future is opened up. In between, in chapters 25 and 32, there is a condemnation and a destruction of the surrounding nations, which will prevent them from interfering with God's plan to redeem and restore his chosen people. Another unique feature of the book is the prophet's strange visions unusual presentation of details and weird and even grotesque symbolic acts Ezekiel has to perform to portray God's Word. In Ezekiel's visions of God, we see God as perhaps not seen anywhere else in the Bible. There is much in Ezekiel for us to discover. There's also much in Ezekiel that we won't be able to understand or explain. But there's an important discovery too: God His world and his ways are greater than we can grasp. The Hebrew name for Ezekiel transliterated means strength by God. God can show up in the last place you expect to find him, at a time when you think he's abandoned you or perhaps even doubt he's real. In July the 31st, 593 B.C., God opened the curtain between heaven and earth. Ezekiel, now 30 years old, saw God's majesty heard God's voice, felt God's hand. The word of the Lord, the angels of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord came sweeping into Ezekiel's life. The man without a country, the priest without a temple, was overwhelmed by the awareness. God is real, and God is here. In verse 3, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, a statement that occurs 48 times in this book, in Visions from God, Ezekiel glimpses four out-of-this-world creatures called cherubim. Each cherubim somehow combined the features of a human, the smartest creature on earth, with the features of a lion, the fiercest of the wild beast, an ox, the strongest of obedient animals, and an eagle, the most splendid of the birds. The cherubim glowed like fire and moved like lightning. In an old episode of the comic strip Hagar the Horrible, the pudgy Viking Hagar is looking for a fight. He bangs on the castle door and shouts, Is Og the Awful in there? Come out and face me. The castle door slowly opens and out steps a ferocious giant, bristling with weapons. His waist is higher than Hagar's head. Little Hagar shrimps back and, in terror, asks, Are you Og the Awful? No replies the giant, I'm just his butler. Alright, the companion <laughs> comparison is applied to the cherubim. Cherubim at Eden <clears throat> at Eden, they were on the tabernacle curtains, there were two on the golden covering of the ark, and they were in Solomon's temple and in John's vision in Revelation. <clears throat> cherubim are God's butlers. Book of Ezekiel should dispel any idea that life is ours to manage and control as we see fit. God is not small, he is not safe, and he does not fit neatly in a box. 65 times in Ezekiel, God declares, then they will know that I am the Lord. The God we meet through Ezekiel is more terrifying than anything you can imagine, and more wonderful than anything you can dream. The first vision may be the key to all the visions in the Bible, <clears throat> which is the vision of the glory of God. Calvin said, I can scarcely understand it. Strength and power are vision. How big is the ocean? How small is our boat? God was saying bef- was saying to them, before I tell you what to do, let me show you who I am. That, he said that Moses, Isaiah, Joshua, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Isaiah were similarly prepared. Ezekiel did not see God himself. He saw only the appearance of the likeness just a gliss of a glimmer and the glory of the Lord. But that was enough to flatten him and leave him in a shock for a week afterwards. That's in verse, chapter 3, verse 15. We glimpse God's glory through his Son. God, make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's Second Corinthians 4, 6. When Christ's, joy, Christ's glory flattens and fills us, we become new people in him. God's passion for His glory is the measure of His commitment to our joy. Jonathan Edwards proclaimed that God's ultimate end is a manifestation of His glory, is the highest happiness of His creatures. Understanding that God is more glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him should change our lives. In chapter 3 through 7, there are two devastating sermons with judgments for the people for their idolatry. The Hebrew priests bore the iniquity of their people, just like Jesus had to bear our sins on the cross. There are also three incidents where Ezekiel had to suffer in various ways for the iniquity of his people. Anything whose importance is equal to or ahead of God is idolatry. Religion can be idolatry, which is caught up in doing it right, Can't can't miss God. Then there is the boat, the cows, the job, the car, special breed of dog, etc, etc, etc. The religious elders were saying, "God won't punish us, he's kind and loving. all religions are helpful, and all roads lead to God. so believe what you like, that kind of open-mindedness approach got many people in Jerusalem were taking, but God thundered, "I will not look on you with any pity or spare you." I will repay you according to your conduct and the detestable practices among you. Then you will know that it is God who speaks. <laughs> Consider your devotion is the meaning of God's glory and is filled with His presence. Good day.